0: Good evening and welcome to the Catholic View. I'm Sheila Birsch. Thank you so much for tuning in. Coming up a little bit later on in the broadcast, we'll be taking a look at some of the Kafka updates with Elvira Roberk, as well as the Church and the UN with Father Mike Deeb OP. For now, though, we begin as usual with some of the stories that made headlines in Africa and beyond. So do stay tuned.
1: Listen to Radio Veritas 576 AM for a change.
0: In your headlines this Wednesday evening, having doors are closed to those who close their hearts to the poor, says Pope Francis. African bishops denounce bribery. And today marks International Museum Day. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pierce. We begin with Pope Francis, continuing his series of Wednesday Catechesis on Mercy. Pope Francis devoted his May 18th general audience to the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. Pope Francis said to ignore the poor is to despise God and that the Lord's mercy for us is tightly connected to our own mercy for others.
2: Speaking on Wednesday morning at the weekly general audience in St. Peter's Square, the Pope also decried the inequality and contradictions in the world. Pope Francis reflected on the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, noting that the rich man's door is always closed to the poor man who hopes to eat some leftovers from the rich man's table. Every day he said the rich man who wears luxurious clothes while Lazarus is covered with sores fares sumptuously while Lazarus is starving Lazarus the Pope continued represents the silent cry of the poor of all times and the contradictions of a world where vast wealth and resources are in the hands of few
3: Lázaro bene el grido silencioso dei poveri De tutti
2: I tempi. During his earthly life, the rich man, locked in his own world of luxury and waste, showed no consideration for God or for his law. To ignore the poor, Pope Francis said, is to despise God.
3: Ignorare il povero e Dio.
2: The Pope also commented on the second part of the parable in which, after their death, the situation is reversed and Lazarus is carried to heaven by angels while the rich man falls into the torments of suffering. He said that good and evil have been distributed to compensate earthly injustice, and that the door that separated the rich man from the poor in life has been transformed into a deep abyss. As long as Lazarus was lying in front of his house, there was a chance of salvation for the rich man. But now that they are dead, the Pope said, the situation has become irreparable. The parable the Pope explained is a clear warning. God's mercy for us is related to our mercy for our neighbor. If I do not open the doors of my heart to the poor, the door stays closed for God too. And this, he said, is terrible. And And inviting all to conversion, the Pope said we should not expect miraculous events, but open our hearts to the word of God, who calls us to love God and our neighbor. And greeting a group of Polish nationals, including Polish President Andrzej Duda, Pope Francis also marked the birthday of St. John Paul II, which falls on May the 18th. I'm Linda Bordoni.
0: During this week's general audience, Pope Francis extended a special greeting to a group of children from Ukraine who had been brought to the Vatican by the international initiative Children for Peace All Over the World. And Schnabel reports.
4: I greet with special affection the children of Ukraine, orphans and refugees as a result of the armed conflict which still continues in the east of the country. The Pope made these remarks to the 80 children who were in St. Peter's Square for the occasion. I renew my prayer that we may strive for enduring peace in order that it may relieve the so exhausted population and offer a serene future for new generations. The Children for Peace All Over the World project aims to promote peace in the world with a particular emphasis on Ukraine through the use of maps which are then decorated with paper world peace doves, on which children have written their wishes. Since its beginning in November 2013, the conflict in Ukraine has forced more than a million into displacement with hundreds of thousands of those affected being children. In April, Pope Francis issued an Appeal for Peace in Ukraine, calling European churches to take up a collection for those affected by the conflict. I'm Anne Schneibel.
0: Bishop Joseph Osei Bonsu, chairman of the Ghana Catholic Bishops' Conference, has complained about the increased rate of bribery and corruption in Ghana. The bishop called on the youth to shy away from the endemic cancer which has hit the rooftop in his country. Speaking during a graduation ceremony to over 129 graduates, the prelate called on the graduates to desist from bribery and corruption, stressing that it can damage their future and land them in trouble. Bishop Osei Bonsu of the Catholic Diocese of Konongo Mapo, Urge the outgoing and continuing students to lead exemplary lives to avoid bribery and corruption. <music> the world's first binding accord on illegal fishing is due to enter into force next month, after reaching the required threshold of countries who have agreed to sign up. The so-called Port State Measures Agreement was drawn up by the Food and Agriculture Organization (FAO) in 2009. 30 members have now formally agreed to its terms, meaning it will become
1: international law on 5th June.
0: DNP has more.
1: The agreement, known as the PSMA, is a groundbreaking accord which is designed to prevent, deter and eliminate illegal, unreported and unregulated fishing around the world. It's designed to work by bringing together port states who will apply the new rules robustly to all foreign vessels who seek entry to their harbors or which are already in port. FAO hopes the measures to tackle illegal, unreported and unregulated fishing will harmonize port rules, increase regional and international cooperation, and block the flow of illegally caught fish. Collectively, 29 countries and the European Union, which signed up as a single party, represent 62% of worldwide fish imports and nearly half of all fish exports. The FAO Director General, José Graciano da Silva, said that it marked the dawn of a new era in the effort to combat illegal fishing.
0: South African Minister of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries Senzeniz Zokwana says his department is working on improving facilities that work on monitoring SA's coastlines. This comes as the fisheries department says two more suspicious vessels have been spotted around the Eastern Cape coastline and a team has been deployed to search for them. Nine foreign vessels suspected of illegal fishing were spotted between KZ and KwaZulu-Natal and the Eastern Cape coastline last week. They were suspected to be fishing illegally in South African waters. Here is South African Minister of Agriculture, Forestry and Fisheries Senzeni Zokwana.
5: We are busy in using our, our, our facility that does monitoring and I can say with, with confidence that we able to cover all our, our, our boundary in terms of our, our, our surveillance. The reason we picked these two vessels that are suspicious in the, in the Eastern Cape is that we, we are using that. But up to now, we have found that they are, they are, they are the speed is at 8.9 and you can only fish between 3.3 to 4 nautical uh, miles. So if they are at that speed, they cannot be fishing. But we are putting an eye on them 24 hours to make sure that we can we can monitor what they are doing. Already, we have sent the, the vessel that is monitoring them. We will make sure that when we, we 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 find if they have got a permit because if they are to ex, to to travel exiting through our, our 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 economic zone, they have to have a permit that allows them to do so. With the current vessel that was founded and and docked in Cape Town Harbour. Charges have been laid against the, the, the captain. In My understanding is that he has been put into in prison. The charges are including the fact that uh, he is having animals that were in the in the vessel, the fact that there were cigarettes, the fact that they have not obeyed any instructions when ordered to so. the fact that they switched off their lights as well as their signaling system. Which is against the law, but I had a, a, a discussion with the Minister of Defence yesterday, saying that we should come to an understanding and agreement to make sure that we are able to coordinate our work, such that, was well, sometimes we when we, we, we call Defence has been participating with us, and we appreciate their, their cooperation. But I think there is a need to make sure that there is a, a situation where we can fast track that without a long line that you must go to me as a minister, people on the ground must be able to conduct their counterparts and, and action be done. We're, we're considering this morning that we're going to to, to, to to hire a chopper that should go and be able to, 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 to get to those vessels. So the, the sooner we do that, the better.
0: And finally, International Museum Day takes place on this 18th May. It is coordinated by the International Council of Museums, ICOM. The event highlights a specific theme that changes every year and that is at the heart of the international museum community's preoccupations. The theme of 2016 International Museum Day is Museums in Cultural Landscape, which is also the theme of the General Conference of the International Council of Museums, ICOM to be held in Milan Italy from the 3rd to the 9th of July 2016 the objective of International Museum Day is to raise awareness of the fact that museums are important means of cultural exchange enrichment of cultures and development of mutual understanding cooperation as well as peace among peoples and that was a brief look at some of the stories that made headlines in Africa and beyond today You're still listening to The Catholic View and I'm Shayla Pierce. Thank you so much for joining me on this Wednesday, the 18th of May. Coming up next, we catch up with Elvira Robeck as she gives us some of Katka's updates. And that will be followed by the Church and the UN with Father Mike Deeb, OP. The international community observed World Nurses Day on 12 May. As the largest healthcare profession in the world, there is no doubt that nurses are key to the achievements of the Millennium Development Goals. Nurses are often the only health professionals accessible to many people in their lifetime. So nurses are particularly well-placed and often the most innovative in reaching underserved and disadvantaged populations. Nurses are educated to understand the complex nature of maintaining health and wellness and the impact of psychosocial and socioeconomic factors such as poverty, unemployment and ethnicity. Communication officer for Fokathka Elvira Roberg speaks to us about the importance of nurses.
6: A lot of our um, members are either care workers or auxiliary nurses or um, nursing sisters. So we work very, very closely with them. And also a lot of our nurses are actually um, religious nuns as well. Um, But as you know, um, the religious nuns, we're not getting uh, younger ones in. So a lot of the nursing sisters that are religious nuns are a lot older as well.
0: Now, what would you say are some of the challenges that nurses face today, be it religious or non-religious?
6: I think the biggest challenge is just getting the training. You know, there's not as many... Um, colleges that they used to be, the nursing colleges, a lot of them have closed down. Um, The courses are very different to how they used to be. And of course, they need to get uh, practical experience, which a lot of them are battling with um, as well in the government and private hospitals, Um, and then of course getting a job afterwards. I think we have such a shortage of nurses, but there's none of the infrastructure in place. To you know bring us new nurses to get new nurses trained, to bring new blood in and new nurses um, into the hospital, into um, organizations like Cfka working out there in the rural areas um, and in townships and with the mobile clinics and stuff like that.
0: And of course uh, still speaking about the mobile clinics and kathka doing some health practices in uh, rural areas you just mentioned that most of the religious nuns um, that are that are nurses are also you know approaching their old age retirement age so how does mm. kathka cope in terms of assistance from nurses especially in rural areas
6: well then we have to get in care workers and en- enrolled nursing auxiliaries which obviously aren't as qualified as the nursing sisters they're not qualified to give out medication they're not qualified to give certain injections and take certain blood tests and stuff like that so it does become extremely difficult which of course then causes you know the backlog of people coming to the clinics where there is one or two nursing sisters um, and you know having to wait for a very long time to be able to see them so definitely the same as in Kaska, um, in the hospitals. It's that whole waiting, um, you know, to be seen by a sister that is really
0: detrimental to the patient. Besides the fact that nurses do so much good. There's also that uh, that side of complaints where people say that nurses nowadays are quite short-tempered, nurses in our days are not paying as much attention as they used to back in the days, or they're not as friendly as they ought to be. Do you ever come across such complaints with the people you work with?
6: Fortunately, we're very lucky that um, the nursing sisters that are with CASCA are really there because it's their vocation. You know, to be able to work out in some of the areas and some of the clinics that I Nursing sisters do work. It takes a lot of um, patience, and you've got to be a special type of person to be able to deal with that. But so fortunately, we don't get um, those complaints. But we, you know, we do obviously hear about the complaints from um, other organisations, from other hospitals, and I, you know, to be honest, I think the main problem is they're overworked because there's not enough nursing sisters, and the usual story of they're underpaid because. Nobody values them for what they do. I don't think people understand and they realize the great work that the nursing sisters um, do for the patients. You know, they get them ready for the doctor. They administer the medication. They check all the vital signs. You know, the doctor comes and checks up on the patient, but the nurse does all the other hard work. Most of them are working over twelve hours a day. So I can imagine, you know, why they're getting short term, but I would also get a little bit, you know, irritated if you've been on your feet for twelve hours. They you know, they sometimes don't get their lunch breaks because they're just so busy and then you get somebody, you know, maybe complaining about something that maybe is not um, that important. So I can understand why they feel like they do. Um, and I think we really need to appreciate our nurses more. Um, whether we're going to ourselves, going to a hospital or somebody going to, um, a mobile clinic that, you know, just arrived in their, in their community. I think, yeah, we need to appreciate them more and we need to accept them more. And I think as a country, we need to pay them more to show them that they are appreciated.
0: All right, Elvira, any last words that you'd like to leave us with with regards to nurses? Well, on behalf of CAPCA, we would just
6: like to say thank you to all our CAPCA members who are in the nursing profession and to all the other nurses um, out there, whether they're working at government hospitals, at private hospitals, at clinics. Um, We just want to say thank you so much for all the work that you do and um, good luck for the rest of the year.
0: Lovely. Elvira, thank you once again for giving us some uh, Kathka updates right here on the Catholic View. Thank you.
6: You're welcome, Sheila. Enjoy the rest of the day. You
0: too, eh? Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. And my thanks goes there once again to Elvira Ropek, the Communication Liaison Officer of Kathka. Time now to join Father Mike Deep OP as he brings us some of the latest updates concerning the Church and the UN. Welcome back to our feature, "The Church and the UN," with Father Mike Deep OP. Father Mike Deep is the permanent delegate of the Dominican Order to the United Nations and the Order's general promoter of justice and peace. At this final part of my interview with father mike deep op we speak about some of the items that are on the agenda for the month of may
3: well as i said i will be going to vienna where the focus will be on criminal justice and crime prevention um i haven't yet engaged too much with the issue so it's going to be a new issue for me to engage with but clearly It takes into account all the crime and corruption issues, which we know are huge issues in South Africa and everywhere else in the world. So um, the issue is how to be regulating that. And and I think that we'll see, and I'll be able to tell you more maybe after the event, uh, what came out of it. So that will be one issue that's on the table. The other one is in, in, um, in Geneva, There are quite a lot of these meetings also around um, disarmament and uh, both the nuclear issue as well as all the other arms control uh, efforts. And we will be engaging with with some of those as well to see how we can, uh, what needs to happen to be promoting uh, the arms control armament, especially in the nuclear domain. There will also be um, in Geneva the Universal Periodic Review which is uh, a footing of the countries where they look at uh, particular countries and uh, they have to receive a report on their human rights uh, evaluation of their human rights record over the last uh, four four or five years. So there will be a big focus on that um, in, the, in, this, in this session. Um, and so uh, we won't be too much involved ourselves because the countries that are being um, looked at are not countries that we have a very really great presence in as Dominicans. But that will be a big focus there as well. The other big thing that will continue to dominate is the whole climate change uh, question and uh, you know, following up on the on the signing that took place a big thing that we are part of a group that's focusing on climate change and human rights because many people see climate change as something separate from the issue of human rights and we wanted to try and say that or show that it has dramatic impact on human rights the whole climate change question and to get countries to acknowledge it and therefore take steps to address that. So we will be engaging with others in that, in that regard as well. And besides that, we, we will be also focusing on some of the particular country situations. Um, we will continue to focus on the Burundi issue. We continue to focus on the Iraq issue, which um, also remains quite um, difficult. Uh, just recently the the Deputy um, High Commissioner from Geneva visited Iraq and she came back with a report which highlighted the difficult situation that minorities are facing In the last Human Rights Council in March we issued a statement ourselves again about the issue of uh, the way which minorities are being terribly discriminated against by the Iraqi government and we portrayed this as a one of the main reasons that has provoked um, the war that is there in the first place. So the Iraqi government needs to take steps to recognize um, minorities as first-class citizens. And anyone who's not a Shia Muslim at this point is treated very much as a second-class citizen. And our own Dominicans, as well as Catholics or Christians in general, uh, feel very much that they are not wanted, not treated, and not discriminated against in that context. So we'll continue to, to focus on that. Just another issue that's been coming up in the last week and will continue is the, the Commission on Racial Discrimination um, that's sitting, and they have focused um, a couple of weeks ago on the issue of Islamophobia and fact that it's a rising problem everywhere in the world, that with all those so-called terrorist attacks that are happening, people are, are lumping it all on the shoulders of Islam as a whole, and uh, this is resulting in a lot of Islamophobia going on. So, the uh, so people are trying to deal with that. And then my, my own position, our own position on this would be to say that if we want to counteract Islamophobia, we've got to be pressurizing so-called Islamic countries to um, to take steps in their own ranks to ensure that there's not discrimination against non-Muslims. And unless they do that, there will always be a rise of Islamophobia, just as the biggest cause of uh, anti-Semitic um, behavior around the world. The biggest cause of that is a terrible thing that the Israeli state is doing, which uh, provokes a lot of people to be very anti-Israel and, and often confused about being anti-Semitic in the process. But I think the same applies to to Islam. Um, we need to be pressurising Islamic countries to to stop discriminating against non-Muslims and to be treating them as equal people, and hopefully that will. So we need to adopt that type of line, I believe, so that we can get rid of the scourge of all these anti-religious sentiments, anti-Islam, anti-Muslim, anti-Christian, that, uh, or the fear of them, and, and opposition to them that is unfortunately still pervading the world. So those are some of the main issues that are coming up and that we hopefully will engage with.
0: What a number of issues, and quite complex issues as well. So, yeah, we wish you all of the best.
3: Well, we can just focus on one or two of them. We follow many of them, of course, but we can have something to say on those those issues, but we, we need to be more focused. So the big issue, I think, is how people on the ground in our countries, and in this case in South Africa, can with the awareness of all these things, what can we advocate for at the local level? Because I think the, the big issue that we wanted to focus on here and that we have focused, that hasn't been so much the issue at the general level in the UN, but the whole issue of the the role of um, transnational corporations, you know, these big multinationals you who know, come in and devastate areas, and uh, we are engaging with that because we've seen a lot of um, evictions happening from land that they have come and grabbed in places like the Dominican Republic and in Brazil we've been trying to support and then um, make those things known in the UN context but we see a similar thing happening in South Africa now with that's what's going right. on the wild coast
0: yeah
3: and uh, and that's an issue that's so important for, for Africans to be standing up and insisting the government stop um, supporting these companies to come in and devastate things. I was really happy to to hear that there's been such a big outcry from, from the society against the killing of the leader of that group there. and I hope it doesn't die down that people will We'll continue to support them to, to stop the exploitation of the wild coast area there. So that's just a good example of what's going on in many other parts of the world. It's so happening in our own backyard, too. That we can be aware of those and, and mobilize people to not accept such actions. I think we can take a big step forward towards bringing justice in the world.
0: Well, Father Mike, thank you so much for enlightening us as, as to what's happening in the world. It's always important, like you said, to know what's happening in the world so that we can also look at our own country, at what's happening with us and uh, see where, how we can make a difference, how we can contribute towards uh, making a better place for us all. So thank you so much for your time.
3: Okay, you, Thank you very much. And greetings to all your listeners. and. And we look forward to talking again in the future. Have a good month.
0: You've been listening there to the Church and the UN with Father Mike Deeb, OP, the permanent delegate of the Dominican Order to the United Nations and the Order's general promoter of justice and peace. This has been your Wednesday's edition of the Catholic View. Thank you so much for listening. Remember that should you wish to get in touch with me, feel free to email me, shayla at radioveritas.co.za. Catholic View, a program produced and presented by Shayla Pirsch for Radio Veritas. I'll be back again tomorrow evening at the same time. Until then, God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Shayla Pirsch.